If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Oh, hello. Oh, welcome, hello. everybody. Um, welcome to Ruined, a podcast where we ruin a horror movie just for you. I'm Hallie. I'm Allison. And if I seem particularly out of it today, well, it's 7.30 in the morning, which is a very early to be spooky, man. I've, I've got my Delaware mug. Shout out to my Aunt Enid. Oh, talk about my, scary. I, I will hear no Delaware slander. I love Delaware. I'm from Maryland. Of course oh, yeah. I love Delaware. It's the same That's where the thing. beach is. Delaware, I feel like Delaware, I've never, I have like, no, I must have, I've been to Baltimore. I was like, this is the same, it's the same thing. Right? No, that's rude. Oh, okay. Again, I will stand <laughs> I by Delaware to the day I die. No, I like Delaware a lot. It's not that scary. Um, how are you? I'm okay. Aside from it being 7.30 in the morning in LA. I'm I'm good. The I'm things we to... do to record this podcast. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're doing it all for you guys and, uh, we really appreciate you. And I'm trying to think just, just, I'm just, uh, you know, uh, thinking about the small humiliations of life. I just got a pair of Doc Martens as I've discussed. I think on a Patreon yes. episode and I didn't buy, they tell you to buy the socks and they're like, just get some socks. I'm like, ah, I got socks. No. I don't got the need, socks. You I need got theirs. I need the, the tall ass thick socks. And when you break them in, you're supposed to wear like two pairs. That's on yeah. me. That's on me. And so Are you getting blisters like a, on, like, your, like, lower uh, thigh or um, calf? Yes. So, basically, it's like a ring of pain and then, like, a huge blister. I wore them one day and, you know, next time I'm learning, we're all learning. It's a learning experience. But, again, just like, you're like, I should have should have just done it. should have just bought the socks. What was I, I thinking? Know. I think, like, whenever a shoe store, like, a specific, like, a brand is, like, you should buy our socks for these right. shoes. There is usually a very good reason for that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And they also make you, like, buy, like, a little um, jar of balm. And they're like, you have to rub the shoes of the balm. And I'm like, I guess that's my life now, where it's like, you're, yeah, I am the shoe and I must rub the balm on myself. You know, it's like we have to, you have to maintain yourself. You have to maintain these shoes. You take care of them. But there is something I'm like, I'm just going to stay home and like rub liniment into my shoes. That's Yeah, it's like having a pet. You have like some responsibilities now. (laughs) A pet that, yeah, can't respond. Actually, my shoes are my pet. I think that's kind of fun. That's nice. It's basically like having a fish. I like looking at them. Yeah. And they're practical because they're shoes. And um, I put fish food in them, but that's just like my own weird thing I like. (laughs) There's a little treasure chest that opens and closes at the bottom. You're like, that hurts my foot. (laughs) Um, How are you doing, Allison? What's new with you? Well, there's a fly in here, and I feel like there always is. It's just like— Is I it think the same co- fly, or you think it's I, just, no, it's just good one for like, one? I've killed, like, six of these. Oh, man. They're those, like, super tiny, like, almost—like, you almost can't see them. Like, Are they fruit little, flies? I think that they're super small, like, gnats or fruit flies. And, like, I have a big bowl of fruit in general, like, all of my, like, clementines and oranges and onions and lemons and limes and avocados are, like— Right next you don't to have me. to list every fruit. Again, it's okay, so I'm just, early. I'm I mean, sorry to fruit brag. <laughs> I mean, it is. I don't have one single piece of fruit in this house. That, but you also don't have any flies. You know, you got me there. So, um, um, I, do you have a, a, tr- a trash compact? Oh no, no, a garbage disposal no. in your sink. Okay, because no. I was like, sometimes I feel like here yeah. in LA, people have them, and if you have, you have to like clean them and like put baking soda, yeah, so to I avoid like, the fruit fly problem. And I like Drano 
my sink like monthly because I feel like it could use it. That's probably terrible. I'm sure somebody's going to tell me like, don't do that. I think it is. I think it is. Um, I think it absolutely is. Speaking of terrible, I, I've been trying to be more conscientious about like single use plastics. Yes. And, um, buying things that are ostensibly maybe better for the earth. Again, I don't know. I just, I, I read what people say online and I assume it's right. Doc Martens are a good start because they last fucking forever. Yeah. And and so, and that's true. Yeah, like fast fashion. I really desperately want to buy a lot of fast fashion right now, but I'm like, I'm not going to. So, of course, it's like, oh, just go thrifting. All that fast fashion is there from three months ago. Yes. Um, what the fuck was I talking about? Where was I going with uh, this? Plastic. Oh, so I bought um, like uh, all natural like um, laundry detergent. And I also, and we all know this doesn't work, but I thought I'd give it a, give it another go, uh, like sort of an all natural deodorant. Oh, as yeah. a result, not only do I personally stink because the deodorant doesn't work, and I'm ta- yes. I don't care about sweat. I'm talking about the sheer rank stink of my me, yes. and then also my the armpits of my clothes, my t shirts are not clean. Like, yes. so it's like, I wash them with the laundry detergent. It doesn't matter. So then the combination of layers of stink that I have been yeah. radiating the past week. And the thing is, Allison, you know me. I'm going to just keep using it till it's out. I, I'm not, right. no. I can't throw it away. No. So if you see me the next month and I just am fucking reeking, I know. But I'm trying to figure out how do we do this where I don't buy a fucking plastic jug of something of, every yes. day and then throw it away. It's so yeah. hard. I, so if anyone yeah. has recommendations for things that are are not come in plastic packaging and that you think yes. are effective, please let us know. You know, um, I we have really friends, do want to know. I have friends. I mean, they have a big, beautiful house in the suburbs. So they have like room for they, but they got the like. Whatever company, I'm sure there's many that do this at this point, where they send you like a, you know, like a glass jar for mm-hmm. hand soap, a gla- like a one plastic bottle for dish soap, one for detergent. But they send you like a giant pack of like their tabs that you add to water. Yeah, I should look into the tabs. I've, but she's I've heard like, of the but tabs. She's like a real clean. Like she's all about like let's. Make, she has two kids. She's like no things have to actually be clean. This right, has to she, be real stuff. And, and she loves a, it. Yeah. As someone who's a friend, a friend of yours, you're saying she doesn't absolutely smell like shit all the time. Yeah. No, my like. Because that's you know, where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, my 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 clean friend. Right. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um, but I'm she looking, loves the company. Him. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back to the pod next time we Thank record. Thank you. But, but hey. yeah, if anybody does have recommendations for non-giant plastic things that we can be buying. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll try I'm anything. When I stink for a whole another month, that's fine. Whatever. Does it truly doesn't matter? Just try to find something that works. Yeah, I'll, that'll make that part of my brand. Oh, Hallie, she smells like shit all the time. Cool. I'll, I can make it cool. I think. Yeah, I think you can. Um, speaking of cool, we're we're kicking off a new month. We yes. want to say thank you so much for all of your recommendations and suggestions for month theme. Yes. They're all really the great. Patreon. You guys came in with so many good ones came that we're hot. so excited to get to at different points in the year. Like, we now are, like, backlogged on so many. We had to kind of, like, pivot and, and move quickly into November. So we— Yeah, and you know, we're not planning ahead. We're not, nope. you know— So what we've decided is— But now uh, we can. Exactly. So we're going to be using some of those themes going forward. Of course, we will um, shout you out on the pod if we use your theme. But the theme we're just going to do in November is— uh, It's uh, Shutter colon, screaming on streaming— um, and the, the reason behind this, it's very well thought out. I just have Shudder, and there's a lot of movies on it that I want to watch. So Yes. Um, and if you love horror, yeah. you should also have Shudder. Yeah, if you are someone who watches the movies, you already know this. I mean, Shudder has—I I, I think it's really wonderful. I'm glad it exists. And always a new mix of, like, stuff that I— 
stuff stuff that you had always thought I'd always wanted to watch that, and also stuff that I personally had never th- heard of, you know, whether from festivals or not. So yes. I, I, I really like it. And the uh, to kick off the month, we're doing a brand new movie to the um, streaming platform. That is, of course, VHS 99, another oh VHS boy. anthology. And we've oh done, boy. I believe, two, right? We did the original. And then... And then 94, I want to say. Yeah. Yes. Does that sound right? Yes. There are a number, so we're going to have to, um, you know, yeah. How many are there? Let's see. There are a VHS, VHS 2, VHS Viral, VHS 94, which we viral. did do. Um, and then the new one, VHS 99. There's, and then, of course, VHS 84, 85. And then there's a spinoff called Siren, which I believe is a spinoff. I think we've discussed of the— of Like one of the— One of the segments in the original— um, Version yeah. with the sort of the the flying succubus, I believe it got got a, a full length feature. So you know, congratulations! No I don't I'd remember. Abs- okay, good. It doesn't. Yeah, if we you guys remember, it. yeah. <laughs> I do. I think uh, based on what I know about it, I do not think you'll have to remember the the yeah. origin story in order yeah. to enjoy it. But I fucking love anthology movies. I, they're always fun. There's something for everybody. So what a what a better way to kick us off here. Um, and then, so we're, well, what I'm going to do is just what we've done the last time we've done anthology films, which is I'm going to ask Allison sort of the baseline scary of each and the guess the twist of each segment. Yes. So we're, you know, we're going to be doing, you're going to give me a little log line. Yeah. So I'll give a log line at the top of each segment, which thankfully they're titled and, you know, have a different director. So they'll also shout out. And then uh, say, how do you feel about this? And have you guessed the twist? Even knowing this is about, it's 15 minutes long. So, yeah. you know. But but I will say these are they pack a lot of punch. They are a strong yep. cup of coffee, and I say it as someone who's only going to get through this because I'm drinking a very strong cup of coffee. Yes, good. So let us begin. Um, Allison, of course, we always have her react to the trailer. Allison, how do you feel after watching the trailer to VHS 99? I mean, love a Y2K. <laughs> I mean, like, yes. we are in the Y2K renaissance mm-hmm. uh, from a from a fashion standpoint, so. <laughs> but, like, these trailers are always so hard because it's just, like, a bunch of quick cuts of, like, stuff. And I'm like, I don't yeah. know. Like, the, you know, it's, like, it's not, like, a standard, like, you know, single narrative trailer where you're like, oh, this is going to happen. It's just, like, a bunch of really <laughs> fucked up things. And then it, like, the trailer ends with that grandma with the 2000s glasses just, like, giving a thumbs up. Hell yeah. And uh, I was just like, wow, that was 22 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, would you call it our heyday? I guess that's the question. Again, big Hot Topic vibes. I feel like 1999, I was just trepidatiously putting one foot in Hot Topic and taking out and doing a lap around the mall because I was just so excited and nervous to go inside. Yeah, I was a, like, sophomore in high school. I mean, really, that's when we were getting our original wave of corn T-shirts available now at HotTopic.com. As, like, a vintage concept. (laughs) Man, I will say, I think we've talked about this before, but, like, I loved Rammstein in high school. If anyone remembers the German industrial metal band Rammstein, of and they played in LA last month, and I was like, "Ah, oh, I've already seen them a lot, like in high school." <laughs> and then I saw people on Instagram. They're like, "People I don't, you know what I mean? Like you kind of know their friends or friends, and they were going. I'm like, oh man, I should have gone to see it. I yeah. bet it was good. I, they'll be back. The, those guys, they got a lot of um, years left in them, and uh, hats off to them. Yes. Um, but let us begin uh, ruining VHS 99. Um, so unlike the other, um, iterations of the franchise we've done, this does not have a specific 
concrete narrative-driven um, framing device. It's just okay. sort of like little vignettes that connect okay. to one of the um, one of the stories. So to kick it off, we are basically seeing like a little DIY like toy soldier um, scenario where whoever's filming is doing the voices. They're sort of like one of them is a prisoner of war. There's a pile of dead prisoners. And then finally a tank comes in and runs over the soldiers, killing them. Right. Um, you know, I so guess this is post-desert storm pre... Pre-9-11. Pre-9-11. And if I don't... If one of us doesn't bring up 9-11 in every episode, I will consider this podcast a failure. So I I'm, thank will. you. Thank you. So we started on our first vignette called Shredding. It's written and directed by Maggie Levine. And it's sort of like, again, like pop, punk, emo, like right... I feel like it's like, um, I don't know, I, I, not, not an Avril Lavigne, of course, that's like a corporate, the corporate mm -hmm. version of it. But like, you know, just like screaming in your friend's garage, like super fun, like guitar yeah. rock, which was such a great part of like the late 90s. Yeah. And I, I feel like kids are bringing it back, right? I feel like guitars feels, in music yeah. versus yeah. just electronic. I only I only listen to the worst techno right now, so I, oh, I who am I to judge? I. Allison, I'm going through it. I'm, we're all going through it. But we're yeah. All going through it. But yeah. So where it's like these teens and their the name of their band is called Rack, and it stands for the initials of their first name. So it's Rachel, Anchor, Chris, and Caleb. You know, they're skateboarding, they're like, our music is insane. You know, they're like, <laughs> you know, like pro, like pro, trying to like promote themselves in that kind of like jackass skateboard yes. video 90s, you know, way. And Chris, who I don't want to misgender, I think, I, I don't even want to, like, I don't know, but Chris is wearing a dress. So mm -hmm. not to misgender that character, but at some point someone's like, why are you acting so fruity? And mm -hmm. the character who said that is a the one person of color in the band, Anchor. And so Chris shoots back, what's it to you, Mohammed? And that mm -hmm. is unfortunately, I mean, that we're still 99. there. But that that I mean, is 1999 all over it. Yeah, and, and a lot of us are still back there, but, like, my God, it really did bring me back to, like, constant, like, just constant, the constant stream of racism, yeah, sexism, homophobia, homophobia, sexism, transphobia. Like, it's just, transphobia. like, it was just such a part of our language in a way that I, I think a lot of people realize now, like, what the fuck was going on? But yeah. that's how we were raised, and I don't know. Yeah. It's it, it is so, it, even that moment of like, I, thank you for reminding me of what the nineties were like. How terrible the nineties and early two thousands were in terms of othering people. Yeah, and and um, anchor is sort of like I think supposed to be our um, he's our in. So he's sort of all, ever all the his. It's like one of those things where like these band members are obviously his friends. They're constantly bullying him. They're constantly making these like not even microaggressions, just saying racist shit to him. And it's like, he's obviously, it's like small town America. You're probably one of the few people of color. You're like, well, I guess I just have to hear them call me Mohammed. And I, yep. you know, like, and it is incredibly sad. And, but again, 90s for you, baby. So their plan, the the band, is that they're going to break into this closed down, this infamous music venue in their town called the Colony Underground. And the story they tell is basically there, three years ago in 1996, a freak electrical fire broke out. And the band that was playing called Bitch Cat was crushed to death in the stampede. <laughs> and they're supposed Bitch to be Cat is such a good band name. It's oh so my good. God. And it's supposed to obviously be like La Tigra, you know, like girl yeah. band, um, you know, 90s girl band. Yeah. So, and uh, like, oh, there's also like you see, you cut to at a certain point, you see like a Bitch Cat, like their demo that like 
you know, obviously it's all found footage. So it's like they recorded this demo and they're like exactly what we would have thought was cool where it's like yeah. blue hair, like guitars, mm-hmm. like screaming, mm-hmm. get off my fucking stage. Yeah. You know, and they have all these great lines and they're like, America is going to have a rage revolution, you know, and they're like, they're chanting, chanting play or die. So it's like, yeah, if you could see that band, that would be cool. Unfortunately, on this night when they were playing this venue, um, this fire broke out and the band was all killed. Legend has it their bodies only burned after being trampled to death by their own fans. <laughs> fans so desperate to escape the towering flames, they crushed their heroes underfoot without a second thought. Anchor, to his credit, is the only one who is like, well, I don't want to go in there. Like, what do you mean we're going to go play in there? Right. Where all those people died? All those, no. That doesn't sound good. But again, they convince them. And they're like, not like we're going to break in. We're going to like set up. And we're going to play a whole set. And it's going to be so badass. Which again, if you're a teenager, that is cool. That does like, sound I, cool. Absolutely. I would be too scared as like a person doing it. But it would sound yeah. cool. I'd be like, the it's going to collapse on me. Mm-hmm. Is there asbestos? Like, right. will my parents right. find out? What has out? happened since yeah. this fire? But that's because we weren't cool. You know what I mean? Like, and we were just, we wouldn't have even have known about this, the Colony yes. Underground, I think. But, you know, they're, they're all getting ready. They're going at night to, like, sneak in. And they stop at Anchor's house. And they're, like, teasing him mercilessly because he's genuinely really nervous. He's like, oh, you tell your mom that you're not going to come back. You're going to die. It's like, you are all going to die. I don't know why you're, you should know that you're in a horror movie. I don't know why yes. you're making fun of your one friend. And Anchor explains that the, he his family is Hindu. And so there's a belief about um, restless ghosts. And the name is Boot, is how it's pronounced in this. And it's sort of a ghost with a, just sort of an unfinished business, a restless spirit. Uh, it's called a boot or buta. It's a supernatural creature, according to Wikipedia, usually the ghost of a deceased person. And in, at least in this iteration, the fear is that they may come back or they um, they can't move on. So this could be because of a violent death. And they, they could potentially possess you or in some way manifest and come back. So if you believe that, obviously, going to this place would be very fucked up. So totally understandable. Of course, as soon as they hear, like, Rachel's like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe you believe in that. And he also brought, like, again, it's not specified, but what she calls a bag of ghost spices that, like, obviously is some sort of traditional thing that he's like, I'm just going to carry with me to go there. She's making fun of him. There's no— Yeah, so anchor is not like spices to like lure the ghosts out. No, to protect protect, as a means of protection. Yeah, but anchor's like fuck off, you know. So they go to the colony underground, and they of course find like people have been living in here and squatting, and you know they're like a table and food. And anchor's like, I get don't know if we should be here. And Cam's like, Oh, I bet there's some heroin licking homeless guy down here. And it's like, All right, but again. Our understanding of drug addiction in the 90s, my God. Again, like something else that was so antiquated now. Yeah. Um, and Rachel's like, oh, look. Oh, it's Ratma. I, I want Ratma to show up in every one of these and fucking eat everybody. I want Ratma to eat five, anybody five, with right here. I got a bitch you can eat. Oh, my God. Ratma, yeah, de- this definitely seems like a place that Ratma would hang out. This is yeah. one of his. Ratma, Ratma, at the end of the day, Ratma's going here for sure. Um, and they're, like, teasing him. And they notice that someone has made sort of a shrine under a mural on the wall of Jesus. And, you know, you don't like to see a shrine uh, to no. begin with no, it's in a place like this. They also find a boot melted onto the floor. Like the heat of the fire melted this person's 
docks ostensibly. Anchor's like, we got to get out of here. We got to, I don't think I need to be here. And they're like, again, like, oh, you're such a pussy, whatever, blah, blah. Suddenly they're staying there and Chris is violently yanked to the ground. And they all turn and they're like, oh, you fell. But Chris is, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't think that's what that was. Like I was shoved. They lead, the, the push sort of leads them into the next room, which is set up with like mics, everything. The stage is already set with Anchor's drums. And we could tell because it has the name of the band like taped to the front. He, of course, panics. He's like, oh my God, how is this happening? They all are gasping with him. And then, of course, they like reveal to him like, oh, you dumb idiot. We set this up as a prank. Uh, Don't you love it when when your racist friends, your closest friends are racist and are constantly pranking and making fun of you? Being a teenager is so fucking hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. I hope it's better now. I know. Yeah, if you're well, I, if you're a teen, did teens listen to podcasts? I genuinely don't know. If you're a teen, let us know. So. Also, how would they know if it was better? I don't know. This is all. Right, it's also no, subjective. Yeah. I hope there's some level of awareness that like your friend shouldn't be this mean to you. I, I do yeah. hope that I do think that's part of like the bullying conversation. Um, also, unfortunately, if Anchor had maybe followed his own feelings, that he wouldn't be here when shit starts to go down. You know. Correct. So they all start playing, and suddenly Rachel, Caleb, and Chris all start, like, violently seizing while Anchor's on the drums. He, of course, freaks out. He's running around. They all stop at once and start laughing and mocking him, and they're just ripping this motherfucker to shreds, like, just going in on him. Like, And Rachel screams at him, why can't you learn to take a fucking joke, Spice Boy? And finally, he says, I hope all the, Bo- the Buddha go go get all of you. Like, I hope, like, these ghosts show up and fucking kill you. Yep. And he storms out. Okay. As if what they were doing wasn't already sort of sacrilegious enough to a place where, like, a horrible tragedy happened, Caleb, Rachel, and Chris um, filmed themselves stomping on four blow-up dolls who represent the members of Bitch Cat. They filled with fake blood, and it's. I think it's supposed to be this like hardcore fucking, you know, like yeah. rock and roll type of shit. But it's like spraying fake blood as they like reenact the death of these young women. You know, of course, as soon as they do that, Caleb sort of just gets yanked skyward out of frame, and then the the bot the the blood dog is holding falls to the ground and sprays blood everywhere. And then it's just fucking mayhem. Chris is screaming and starts running. Rachel howls and we see something picks up the camera and turns. And when the camera turns, we see that it is the resurrected, I guess, zombified kind of ghouls, you know, not just a straight zombie, a very wet zombie, a ghoulish zombie. Real ghouly ghouls. Ghouly ghouls. Yes. I consider myself a ghouly ghoul. Um, (laughs) Uh, so they they are joining their lifeless, uh, soaking, damp bandmate, and they're chasing everybody down. So they chase Chris down. He screams, "You're not getting away from them!" Um, no, you know, no. they're out. I should say they scream. I don't know what what this character's gender at, but either way, they're being brutally murdered by zombies. It isn't that inclusion that we could all be murdered by zombies on film. That's yes. what I think. Yes, a, an equalizer of some kind. Um, bitch cat, um, they, they hold Chris and they tear, uh, their torso open, disemboweling them. And as they continue to be alive and scream, so a really great moment. Unfortunately, Anchor has not successfully gotten out of the venue. So he has been essentially caught in a corner and he's sort of tossing his, whatever the ghost spices are at the ghosts. I mean, an effort. Hey, you got them. It's something. Use them. And they're writhing in agony. 
And he is he's saying to them, may you peacefully go to your final resting place. Meanwhile, and it seems like it's working. Like one of them falls to the ground. Again, they're 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 all over the place. Rachel is lost in the total darkness, screaming. And then she finally falls silent. We have this great shot of like a red lit hallway. And we just see Rachel's individual r- ripped apart body parts fly out of a door against the far wall and fall back down. Unfortunately, Ugh. Allison, as if that wasn't enough, they're all dead. They've all been murdered. We then see that the zo- bitch cat zombies take the parts and reassemble all of them, starting with Rachel, and then reveal the sort of zombie marionette version of the band who is now playing the stage ostensibly forever. Oh, um, fuck, I totally completely forgot to ask you two relevant questions. Guess the twist and baseline scary. So oh. I, I all I, of it sounded scary. Okay, good. <laughs> But I guess, yeah, this one, at least we know the baseline. Would you ever break into a yeah. abandoned music venue where people died horribly? No. What would, you, what would your answer? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I could tell you that right now. You don't really even need to ask, really. <laughs> and then is this, do you think you would have guessed what happened? Do you think you would have guessed the twist? Not the reassembly. Yeah. And I, I really like this one. I don't know what, I don't know whether it was like the wetness of the zombies, but something about this. I don't know. Really sat well with me. I was very happy. Yeah, nice and wet. Um, but I apologize to, to the listeners. That was my fuck up, and it's so crazy because I've never fucked up before ever on this podcast. Ever so it's like, like it's wow. weird. But it's you know been what? Flawless perfection from the start. From jump, yeah. So I guess every two years I make one error, and honestly, I do apologize to everybody listening. Uh, but I won't for the next venue. So we get sort of like another army man, and we have like an army man being eaten by a um, origami, uh, I guess pterodactyl is how I would describe it. And um, again, they're like funny and like a kid would, like a teenager would make them. And it's obviously yeah. like a young man's voice narrating them. But again, what is the import? We don't know yet. The next- Will we know? Um, kind of. I oh. mean, we will meet the person doing it. I don't know if I understand the full context of the army men. Okay. Vignette, other than it's something you would do in the 90s if you had a camcorder. Did your family have um, a camera? Do you have, like, home videos from yes, growing up? Yes, we did. We did. So, like, we have both, like, home videos from when I was, like, really little, like, really bad, like, scratchy old, like, on, like, a jet, like, truly, mm-hmm. like, bigger than what, like, a studio camera looks like today. Like, remember how big Wild. Yes. home camcorders used to be? Um, <laughs> and then, like, we did have, like, we always had, because my dad worked for Canon and Kodak, so, like, we always oh. have, like, I don't think I do that. Nice camera equipment around because he always had stuff. We had a lot of copiers. It was really weird. That's cool. Um, Allison, it's so nice to learn something about you. I didn't know that was that I guess it's like we never talked about what your dad did. Yeah, what, is your, what did your dad do? My, like, dad's, a, my dad's a pediatrician. Well, he's oh. retired now. I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Now my no dad copiers. just like flies a drone around for fun. Um, uh, yeah. That's cool for like the government or something? Like the military or? Yeah, just for fun. Oh, okay. He's just like an independent contractor for, you know, Blackwater. Right, and it yeah, has right. Some no, sort that's of, what he does. Yeah. That's what he does. <laughs> he has a drone. What's it called? He's like a mercenary. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but you could do it from your home and earn five thousand dollars. Surveillance drone. It's nothing scary. Right. Yeah. He's just reporting on all of our comings and goings. Oh boy. Speaking of, I keep. I, I need to download TikTok. One, just I want to be in the conversation, but then two. For I don't work. know. It's ruining my life. <laughs> What are you getting? Sorry to. I'm sorry. I, I, I get my the coffee sitting. Allison, what do you get like when you on your like 
Do you notice trends? So I do notice trends. I, like, try and really keep it to, like, what I'm there for, which is, like, videos of cats making sounds. Um, mm-hmm. ASMR recipes. <laughs> like, like recipes that are done in, like, that's ASMR That's so interesting. Um, okay. It's like, I'm like, oh, that's a good recipe. And also, this was relaxing to watch. Oh, um, okay. And then I, I try and follow a lot of people who are good with, like, stretching. Um, yes. So it's, like, a lot of, like, here's how to open up your hips. The problem is, like, stretching and, like, that kind of thing easily goes down a path of, like, wellness. And then, yes, like, wellness. Totally. I keep getting, like, sober, curious stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm not curious about being sober. Yeah, I'm going to go never, ahead. I'm not, I'm not interested. Please don't yeah. serve that to me. Interesting. Um, it, okay. But then I do see, like, also just, like, the trends and, like, the funny things that, like, blow up and stuff like that. But I try, I try and, like, like things and, like, make it. I try and make the algorithm do what I want it to do, which you can't because yeah. it's in control and running our lives. I was going to say, well, I keep wanting to download it for work because I, I feel like they're like, oh, we should do it on social media. I'm like, fuck, I guess I got to get on. I should know what's on TikTok and like yes. suggest things. But then there's all this stuff about like how it's parent company. Like it is or they are tracking individual information. You know, this is that kind of like, you don't want to oh, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, whatever technology, it's all so complicated. But I will say there, like, there's some recent news where it was like, yeah, it's probably not great in terms of, like, the what the information um, that TikTok is gathering from all of us in terms of, like, being where it's going. It, you know, it's a, you know, Chinese why company. I like to keep it to kitties. Yeah. I'm my, like, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. I'm pretty no, open about true. my love of cats. <laughs> Yeah, you're an open book, and if the, if the Chinese government wants to read it, I, they already have. They've already, yeah. um, you know. But uh, yeah, the mine was um, people who had gone some sort of gone through some sort of unfathomable tragedy, and then now make bento box lunches for their husband. I've seen some of those. Those those come across my feed sometimes, and I'm like, <laughs> couldn't be me. <laughs> And then I deleted my next, last December, I deleted my, well, probably next December too. I'll download it and then get rid of it. But um, half of my videos, and I think I've talked to you about this, were like a slightly older woman telling me this is how I realized I was gay. Oh, right, right, right. And then, like, introduce me to the concept of comphet. If anyone wants to, if you think you might, you may or may not be gay, Google comphet and see what comes up. But what's so crazy is I didn't realize I was gay yet. So I would see those videos and be like, yes, queen, go off, live for you, live your life. I had no, and then I deleted it. Now it's like, man, if I had just stayed on it, would I, well, yeah. I it probably would have just moved up my realization a month or two. And it's like, yeah, at that yeah, point, it's it a watch, but like you're already on that path. Um, but it is funny how the algorithm does sort of know you because it's perceiving things that you aren't necessarily. Like how long you look at things, what you're looking at, like oh, how the you interact. Super curious with. stuff is chilling to me. <laughs> I am I'm like, what are you telling me, phone? Well, I mean, I could have told you that, honey. I mean, if you, I mean, you might want to get curious. I don't know. Like, listen, you know, no judgment, but um, something to think about. Anywho, so that's a little bit about us, and we'll go into the next um, uh, segment of the anthology, and this is called um, Suicide Bid. And it takes place in the world of sororities. Oh I, oh, I forget. Were you in a sorority, Allison? I was not. Okay. Did they have sororities at your college? They did, but I was on a sports team. So okay. it's kind of its own, like, the culture is different, but kind of the uh, lifestyle is quite similar. 
Yes. Um, and this is written and directed by Johannes Roberts. I went to Notre Dame, which also didn't have sororities or fraternities, but the whole thing is like a, a big fraternity. So you yeah. had a lot of the same stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. In terms of the uh, binge drinking and, um, you know, mild. Yeah. Uh, Boys house, girls house. Like yes. that's, you know, you don't need a Greek system for that to be kind of. No a one's going to teach you how to interact with each other. It's nope. just Catholicism and alcohol. And that's all you got. <laughs> that's um, like most of the American college experience. I know. God. Okay. So let's take a baseline for suicide bid. Allison, here's the log line. Um, a, a young woman, a freshman girl makes a suicide bid, which means she only uh, applies to one sorority mm-hmm. because she's willing to do anything to be a part of it. Allison, to the point where she agrees to be ba- uh, sealed in, a, well, but essentially buried overnight in a coffin as part of her hazing. And how scary do you find that? Very. That's the worst shit I've ever heard in my life. I there's nothing I awful, want. awful. Like there's not a sum of money. Like I can't. Maybe even if think it's about like it. we're gonna kill everyone you know, I would do it. Yeah. But I'd be yes. pissing, shitting, screaming. Like it would just be also just overnight. Mess. Like you will have to go to the bathroom at one point. I have to go to the bathroom every twenty minutes. Yes. Like literally, I will just I will be up to my neck in pee by the time they pull me out. <laughs> It, yeah, it's like claustrophobia, like the specter of death, like Ugh. also just logistically terrifying. You know, like, yeah, you're like, how do I trust the people putting me in this that they will like get me out in time? Because they're just out, a bunch like, of yeah, like just idiots a bunch that of they all get bitches. drunk and leave. Like what? <laughs> exactly. Right. It's like you want a bunch of hot girls you don't know in charge of your life. Couldn't no. be me. Nope. Absolutely not. And no, no offense to any hot bitches out there. I just mean, we have to know, get to know each other a little better before I let you seal me in a coffin. Yes, absolutely. I think that's fair. Some trust exercises. <laughs> yeah, do a trust fall into a coffin and then you start shoveling <laughs> dirt on. That's how they get you. Um, but yeah, so let's, uh, would you like to guess the twist in Suicide Bed? Guess the twist. I'm going to guess that the whole sorority gets killed. And Ooh. she's the only one left alive because love she was it. in the coffin. I absolutely love it. Okay, great. All right. So we start with, you get a, a first year uh, college student, Lily. And she's making like a video, essentially like a pledge to Beta Sigma Eta. And she said, I I only want to be in your sorority. And to the point where I will not submit to any sorority. And right as she's making it, her roommate, Helen, comes in. And Helen's like, well, that doesn't seem very smart because if you don't get in, you can't, you're basically a social outcast for a year. Like, it doesn't seem worth the risk. And Helen says, I mean, do you really think those girls would accept us? And Lily says, Lily says, well, not us. Lily, I'm sorry. Get ready to die. Bitch. You cut out your, your good friend. Mm, you're going to die in a coffin. So cut to, like, literally four sorority sisters taking a wasted Lily out of their Jeep, like barely able to stand into the graveyard. This is like, to me at my age, I'm like, these kids, I mean, we got to talk to them. Like this kind of stuff where you just see the danger. It's like drunk. And now we're in the graveyard. Graveyard. And now they're like being mean, but like also like if you're, if you do this, then you'll be friends with us. And it's like, oh, you can That's see her be like, yes. of that yes. is like an, a scepter. Yeah. I know. I, I really like this one. This was really, I thought this was really good. So um, basically take her into like the mausoleum area where people are, Put in drawers. I guess that's what they're doing in there. I don't know. My family is a very big in the ground or um, you know turned into ash family, so I'm not actually sure about like buying that kind of thing. But 
They take her in, and the head sorority bitch is Annie, who everyone in this is so mean and so good. I, like, love this. And she's like, have you ever heard the legend of guillotine? And it's like, girl, no one has. No one knows what that is. And the reason you're saying that is so that you can explain it. (laughs) Yes, please explain it to us. So 20 years ago, there was, of course, a first-year girl, guillotine. She was buried in a coffin overnight. Unfortunately, all of a sudden, they didn't come back in the morning. They left her in for a week. And when they dug up her coffin, her body was gone. And Lily was like— A week? A week. And her Did body forget was gone. about her, or was that the challenge? Unclear. Un- I, I think maybe—I don't know how you forget about someone like that, but it seems like it was deliberate, right? Okay. Like, yeah, maybe they, they buried her, and then they went to Cabo for spring break, and they're like, oh, my God, oh, guilty. <gasps> we left her in that coffin. Oh, oh my no. God. This is so embarrassing. I gave her all my molly. Is, is it in the coffin? So, Guiltine, and they say the rumor has it that Guiltine crawled straight into the underworld out of her coffin <laughs> and that she will drag you down too if you hear her knocking on your coffin. Now, I'm going to say the solution to that is don't get, don't in, the get in the coffin. Don't get in the coffin. Don't get in the coffin. Unfortunately, of course, they're giving Lily more and more booze. She's doing shots with them in a fucking mausoleum in the middle of the night. And they give her like an official beta, like a Sigma, beta Sigma ate a t-shirt and they're like you made it in girl she's like oh my god and then they say as long as you're willing to spend the night in a coffin and they're like don't worry like there's 24 hours worth of air in there you're only going to be in there for like six to eight you know what I mean you're going to get like a good night's rest and there is a cord attached to a bell like it's Victorian times also that would be a hard part about being in a coffin overnight is like I don't like Straight onto my back oh, with my no. arms down the whole night. Very uncomfortable. Yeah, can you, you can't turn? sleep on your side in it. Right, yeah. And again, for me, it would be that I'm screaming so hard. I'm vomiting yes. for eight hours. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't seem worth it, you know? Yeah, that I'm banging and kicking and trying to get right. out. Right, and again, shitting and pissing. This is where you really have to focus on the toilet stuff. I know we harp on it, but, but yes, this there's is some- a real... What's the plan? This is a catastrophe waiting to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And then all these like hot sorority bitches, like, see, open it. You're like, oh, you shit the whole time. Like, come on. That's just not a place I want to start from in a social setting as a first year no. in college. But they do tell her there is a cord attached to a bell. So you could pull it at any time and we'll pull you out. However, if you do, you sacrifice your bid. So you cannot join the sorority ever. So now it's like, Lily's like, I got to do this. Also, I'm like, she didn't even give her a water bottle. Like, she's drunk. She must be so thirsty. Oh, my God. Waking and Annie. With, like, dry mouth. Well, and she's going to have a lot more problems in a minute here. Yeah, but I bet. Annie says, if you hear guilty knock, don't acknowledge it or she'll drag you into the underworld. It's like, if you're in a coffin and someone's knocking, you can't. Uh, come on. You really, I can ignore a phone call. I can't ignore somebody knocking, knocking on the outside the of my coffin. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but they 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 put her in and they start throwing earth onto the coffin, which has like a little cross-shaped window, which I do think is kind of chic. But then as a result, you could see she could see the dirt falling on, which to me I wouldn't be able to do it. And they're they're sort of chanting, they're saying, Oh, oh moist earth. You, you took away my father and my dear mother. Then take me also. For I am very lonely. Again, we don't have the context for that, but they're sort of intoning this this phrase over and over again. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, Allison, for the purposes of the film, they also gave Lily a camcorder so she could film her experience in the coffin. So we're getting both. Okay. And, she, and she's still pretending like, ha ha, you know, we're all having fun as the dirt fills the little window. 
And she almost immediately starts to tug the rope, but she's like, no. And she basically is like, this is exactly what Helen wanted. Like, Helen wants us to be both lame, but I am not as lame as Helen, and I refuse to give in to my Helen nature. Like, she's so mean about Helen. And, like, it's like, Helen seems perfectly fine. Allison, I don't need to tell you. Almost immediately, she starts hearing a scratching. Yeah, of course. And then a knocking on the outside of her coffin. And she just starts screaming and freaking out. We see from the outside that there's, like, they put, like, less than a foot of dirt on top. So at least they didn't, like, fill it in. It's like there's dirt covering it, so she thinks she's totally buried. But the sorority girls are, like, using their shovels to bang on the outside. So they are there. And, like, not that you should do this, but I was genuinely concerned they were just going to fucking just start putting feet of dirt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then it's like, well, they could die just of suffocation. I don't know. Right. Then, you like, it's like, are you responsible for then digging it back up? Like, I don't, like— Right, it's like, yeah, I guess good, good, glad you're all going to CrossFit. Like, you're out here digging graves all fucking night. That probably is a great workout. Um, unfortunately, Allison, as if that wasn't bad enough for Lily, huge spiders get into the coffin and start crawling all over her body and her face. She is screaming, and she reaches face. up. There's a spider in her face, and she grabs it and smashes it, and it literally fucking explodes like a, no. like a grenade of spider innards and it's just like black goo everywhere so finally she says fuck it and pulls the cord and i think it's like at least she's like i i will be buried in a coffin to impress these girls i will stop at a spider crawling across my mouth while i'm in the coffin Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm. and they pull it and all the starting girls are like laughing like haha they're cheering like they've won and they're about to dig her out unfortunately allison two things happen at once one it starts torrentially raining and a cop car pulls up, lights flashing. Obviously, someone spotted people in the graveyard fucking around with a grave and called. And one of the sorority sisters is like, if they find out we're hazing, we will all be expelled. Yeah. Allison, they leave Lily in the coffin and they run. But they tell each other, we'll just hide and come right back after the cops leave. Allison, they're gone. They leave. In the meantime— Don't trust it. In the meantime, the rain is coming down in sheets— and the dirt on the side of the coffin starts turning into mud. So it is like flowing down, sort of like in um, Drag Me to Hell. Like the coffin is filling with mud. And Lily doesn't even know this is happening yet. I mean, she could hear the sound of the rain, but she's tr- pulling the cord, assuming they're still there. And we sort of see the police camera and um, like as most police cameras do reveal that they don't do anything. Like, you know, they're like, we got to get the fuck out of here. It's raining. To, to in their defense, it's raining so hard that you wouldn't be able to hear Lily screaming. Right. It's muffled. And I, I genuinely was terrified that it was claustrophobic to begin with. And then like the rain and yeah. like the mud filling, ugh, it's a horrible. <laughs> and Lily records on a camera a message for Helen. She's like, if you ever see this, I'm so sorry. I was an idiot. Like you were my only real friend and I was so horrible to you. And, I just really apologize. Allison, she then sees water is starting to seep in through the cracks around the lid. So she knows that the the grave no, is filling no. with muddy water. But also her coffin's going to be full of water. Literally, the roof of the coffin starts groaning and then shatters. And so there's fucking mud falling in. But the, it's broken in such a way that she, it's not like she could lift it. it. There's so much mud on the lid. And then filthy water. Like, awful. This Buried Alive is one of my number one fears. I think it's a very yes. unlikely thing to happen, but it does seem like the, one of the scariest things to happen. Fingers fucking Fingers crossed. crossed, man. Honest to God. Yeah, this this really got me. Um, 
I didn't hats off to this. Uh, let me look up who who played this. Her name is um Ali. Um oh god, it's sorry, it's a Greek name. Ali Alex Alexa Ali Ionides. Um, Ali Ionides. Shout out to her. I thought she did a great job. I don't, I mean, like, I'm assuming they filmed this in a safe way, but it looks terrifying. Yeah. And also, I don't know. How, how can I assume that about how they film it? But um, I'm sure it was. Um, and even then, was, like, harrowing. I wouldn't be able to be in a coffin for any part of this, even if I knew it was fake. No. Um, unfortunately, Allison, as if that wasn't bad enough, she starts to little hear a little knock on the little of the coffin again. Unfortunately, That's she assumes... Here. I know. She assumes it's sorority sisters. She's screaming, please get me. Literally, in the window of the coffin, a gray, skeletal, nope. white-eyed face nope. of guillotine appears. Nope. And she's just, and Lily's just screaming. And so the, the coffin is filling with water. It's literally at her, like, chin level, screaming as guillotine fucking punches through the glass and reaches and grabs Lily's face. In the morning, the sorority sisters return Allison, the grave is fucking full of water. So as soon as they see it, one of them is like, I'm going to puke. They know she's dead in there. Yeah. And they sort of, Annie. And it's their fault. Yeah. And Annie's like, you know, what could we do? It, I, you know. Mm. And I, I guess the question, Allison, what would you do? To use that question. What would you do? I don't know. I would fall to the ground in a heap and just start screaming. Yeah. I think that would be my first reaction. Right, which makes total sense. And then I would be like, we have to go to the police and tell yeah. them what happened. Yeah, I'm a big, you gotta take your lumps, you gotta be honest. Like, I yeah. hope to God I never accidentally kill anyone, but if I do, I absolutely will Pretending fucking... you didn't, I think, is like a larger, like, like makes yes. that... Way more of a crime. Oh, 100%. And this is a lesson I think to everyone listening. I don't know if you've ever committed a, a heinous crime, but if you did do it, you got to have to, you have to seek uh, apology. You have to, you know, you have to do the thing you have to do in order to make up for the fact that uh, this girl's absolutely dead and it is your fault and you did peer pressure her and put her in when she was drunk. So um, one of them, at least, her name is Imogene, says, fuck this, we have to get her out. She dives down into the grave, Allison, and comes back up. The coffin is empty. You know, Annie doesn't believe her, jumps in. Lily is gone. And the other girl's are like, what if Guiltine took her? And Annie's like, that's just a fucking story. And they all agree, okay, this didn't happen. We are not going to ever tell anyone. We're just going to walk away. Fortunately, Allison, about two weeks later, according to the timestamp on the camcorder, all four of the sorority sisters wake up in their own coffin. And Annie looks down, and we see the milky-eyed ghost of Lily in the coffin with her. And she said, I made a deal with Guiltine. If she let me go, I'll bring her as many sisters as she could possibly want. She'll have her own sorority down here. And then the camera turns, and Guiltine, her ghastly white face is there. And then just she opens her mouth, and a fucking gigantic tarantula crawls out of her screaming mouth. Nope. nope. The end. Nope. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Um, so that like was a that. good one. That's a good one. We then have another army man scenario. You know, it's a soldier being like, am I going to be okay? But we see he's been ripped in half. So it's sort of his other superior officer saying, yeah, you're going to be fine. And then at the end, the superior officer says, okay, no one else get bitten in half by the rat monster. I think is a hat tip to Ratma. Oh, Ratma. I miss Ratma. I want hey, Ratma, Ratma to have a spinoff. Can we do a full Ratma spinoff? Yeah, I think that that's... In the cards. Yeah. 
Um, the next one is a segment called Ozzy's Dungeon. Um, here is the, um, the, the log line. A, a double dare style children's show goes horribly awry. And then years later, the family of the victim seeks to get the prize that was offered on the show. And the prize was, if you make a wish, it will come true. Oh, boy. We know how that works. Yeah, there is a level of hubris to, at this point in society, with all the stories we have about this kind of thing, um, to think that you can make a wish and have it not immediately go horribly wrong. Yes, completely. Um, So um, we'll begin, we start with sort of like a 90s style, um, like Nickelodeon, Double Dare, Temple of Doom. It's very Temple of Doom, um, a show called Ozzy's Dungeon. And basically, kids do an obstacle course to make it to Ozzy's Dungeon, where their wish will be granted. And the host is, like, super smarmy, and there's, like, stands of fans who made, like, their own, you know, Mm. signs to root for their kids, you know? And it's super 90s. And there are different games. Like, in one game, they have to throw turkey meat, like, turkey legs, at their teammate to see if they can catch it in their mouths. That's not possible. I've tried it. No, it just seems (laughs) like it's impossible. Seems very hard. (laughs) Like the whole, like they have, I mean, it's not like even a little piece of turkey. It's like a huge yeah, like thing. Yeah, like to bite into it. Again, I've tried. I've done that so many times. It's like impossible. Um, but one girl does catch it and the host interviews her and her name is Donna and she's from Detroit. And what we find out is that no one has ever made it to Ozzy's dungeon. No one has ever won all of the obstacles and made it to make a wish, right? But Donna, we get the feeling she is the contestant. She's going to do it. Her family's there, her parents and her brother. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we're going to do this. And, you know, the host says, like, how are you going to do this when no kid's ever been able to do it? And she says, my family tells me I can do anything I can put my mind to. And the host is like, well, what are you going to wish for if you make it? And Donna yells, I'm going to wish for. And then we're interrupted by, like, a segment within the show. And it's hidden talents. It's just a girl dancing. So we don't know what Donna's um, wish is going to be. But... We know that Donna is uh, going up against Timmy from Los Angeles. And we sort of see the obstacle course. And it looks like a double dare style. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you're you're going into big pools of ooze and looking for a flag. And it's sort of, a, the course goes through Ozzy's orifices, which I'm like, oh. stage for parents. children? Stage parents will put their kids in anything. Because if anything. I'm, I'm a parent, it's like, oh, I want to do the show. Oh, it's orifice space? I'm going to no, go ahead and I'm put gonna the kibosh no, on that. We're not doing that. Once you're 18, anything related to orifices, you're allowed to make your own decisions. But before that, if you're a child, no. No. But so it's like you have to go through like uh, Ozzy's stomach and the large intestine intestine, and then the poop chute. And then so you have to go through, look for flags and finally make it all the way out in time. And if they could do it before time is up, they'll become the first contestant to ever make it to Ozzy's dungeon. And Donna's family's cheering on the from the stands and... Donna and, and Timmy, you know, they they fire the gun. They, they wave the flag. They're off. Donna is crushing it. Timmy's humiliating himself. Unfortunately, as they come out of the large intestine, which it just looks like, you know, like it's a piece of fabric, like yeah, decorated. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not like an actual intestine. Right, it's, it's not like true to life. <laughs> yeah, and it's like Double Dare level or Temple of Doom yeah. level production. You know, it looks like Temple of Doom. There's all, even like a um, like sort of a, a butch, um, old, like a hot butch older woman um, who's like the— I don't like the guard or something, you know, it's sort of like, it's all like stone, like as if you, as, as if it is Temple of Doom, right? And so uh, she's doing, she's in the home stretch, they're coming out of the large intestine and Timmy pushes her 
And Donna's leg breaks horribly to the point where, like, the bone comes through the skin. (sighs) And they, so they keep filming, and her leg's, like, dumping blood all over the floor as Timmy scrambles past, you know, trying to win. Donna's mother leaps out of her seat, and her she must be restrained by her husband and her son. Just then, the tape rewinds, and somebody watches the leg break again and again and again. And we see the host say, uh-oh, someone's got a boo-boo every time. Boo-boo. We see that the person watching and rewinding the tape is Donna's brother. And this must be sometime later, because we see okay. a door slam, and Donna's mother's there. And then finally, we see Donna's father is wheeling Donna herself, who's, like, slightly older now, and in a wheelchair into the room. And the reason they're all congregating here, Allison, is that they have someone in a dog cage. And that, of course, is the host of Ozzy's Dungeon. And they're going to punish Honestly, him. I'm fine with that. And he really seems like a smarmy piece of shit. You know, I mean, look, they're not they're not setting him up for survival, for sure. No. But, you know, he's begging, screaming, he's like, everyone signed a waiver. Everyone signed a waiver to be on the show. That wasn't my decision. I'm not the producer. I didn't put together any of this, you know. And Donna's mom is... Uh, another this is another fun actress. Let me see. Um, Donna's mom, Sonia Eddy, and she's just chewing the scenery. She's like coughing so hard she has to take her shirt off, which is such a funny specific <laughs> choice. That's so fun. And she's screaming, "Who gives a fuck about a waiver?" You know, right? Like she was gonna be the one who made it out of here. Like she was gonna be the successful one, and then this happened, and it fucking ruined her life, and it's your fucking fault. And she rips the blanket away from Donna's leg which does look like it's in bad shape. And she screams at the host, what does that look like to you? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like dog meat. (laughs) It's like meat from a dog? Meat that you give a dog? Who's to say? Yeah, unclear. But Donna says basically like, you you ruined my daughter's life and our life by extension by making her go through an obstacle course. Well, guess what? We've built a fucking obstacle course for you right here. Oh, boy. And because it's like you rigged it so no one ever went. And the host is like, it genuinely wasn't rigged. I It just, no, it was so difficult that nobody got through. Like, I, it's just very hard. And Donna's mom says, bring me the jug that isn't water, which is such a funny way to put it. And she's, uh, her son hands her a jug. It's just neon acid. And she like throws it and it burns like a styrofoam cooler. So she just has a fucking jug of acid. Like this whole family has gone insane. Time for the first obstacle. Oh, there's a series of challenges, rather. So the first challenge is they tie the host to a pole, and Donna's brother runs into him like a bull, wearing a bike helmet with broken glass. Not much of a challenge because the host is, like, tied <laughs> What's up. the challenge? The Don't challenge, die? I think so. <laughs> the next challenge is catch that meat, of course, and and where Donna throws wet, rancid chicken breasts into the host's fat face, and Donna's mom grabs the meat and, like, jams in his face, laughing and screaming. And then finally, the final obstacle course, they've built like their very own homemade version of the Ozzy's Dungeon set, which is like so elaborate. <laughs> yeah, I guess like if you're really going for it, like you're really gonna go insane, like you have time to just like go. Just do go. like a blanket tunnel. Exactly. Yeah. Go for the gold. Go big or go home. And in this yes. case, your home is an insane place where you've built like a torture dungeon with your family. And she says, if you don't make it through the obstacle course, I would basically throw this acid on you. I'm going to burn you with this fucking acid. Allison, he goes. He's also nude except for, his hands are tied and he's nude except for underwear. So he's, so again, hats off uh, to this actress. 
I don't know. So Stephen Ogg is the host. And oh, he's been in a ton of stuff. He's in like The Walking Dead, Better Call Saul. So this, I, I think I recognize him. A very fun character actor. So hats off to him that he's literally like rolling around covered in like rancid meat juice in his underpants, screaming the entire time. He had to shave his head for this segment. Like, so he's going through. So it's like the first thing out, you have to run through tires. You know what I mean? And then... It's just cutting his feet, just cutting his feet. He's screaming and he's going through the tunnel. Allison, he goes through the um, large intestine and into the poop chute, which is covered in actual shit. Like they must have been collecting this shit for months, if not years. Right, that's so much. You need so much. You, it's like, like a baby pool full of when you think of like what, shit. what you produce as a human over the course of a day. That's nothing. Well, I mean, me like- personally, I, I could I could probably make a dent in it, but like, come on. <laughs> It's a family affair, is what I'm saying. Uh, like they that. must have just been using that baby pool as a toilet and then just keeping it in there. We may never know. The world <laughs> may never know. He has to paw through it. Allison, he finds the red flag, and then he gets through the final tunnel, and he makes it. But his body's, like, half in and out. So they're like, no, you weren't fully out. You are late. And they're tying him up to murder him. And then finally the host tells Donna's mom, let me go, and I will get you to Ozzy from Ozzy's dun- Dungeon, and he will actually grant you a wish. Like, that part was actually real. Next thing you know, cut to the family. I don't know, but why would any of this be happening? (laughs) I guess if you think this is the way to go, you also believe that wishes are real. So that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Next shot, he's like cleaned up and in the backseat of their car and wearing like a pink house coat, which I'm assuming belonged to Donna's mom. And they're all, so it's like the parents, the kids, and the host are, he's still his hands tied, obviously, drive to the set. And he's like, oh, there are armed guards out front. Again, another red flag. But he gets them through the back and uh, back entrance, and they go on to set, which still has the remains of, like, the slide and the obstacle course. And he goes to a door, and that same female guard, even though it's supposed to be years later, looks exactly the same, opens the door, hands them a torch, and they walk into, like, an ancient stone a hallway. Torch. Like a torch. What? And the host says, oh, wow, this is an actual cave. I've never actually been past the door before. But he's taking it in stride, Right. They make their way to the inner sanctum, Allison, and they see what I believe we're to think is Ozzy, who is a massively obese woman. Because being really fat in a horror movie is, I mean, it is the language of the grotesque. Where it's like, could you believe what I brought you to see? A big fat lady? It's like, okay, all right. Enough. Everyone calm down. Unfortunately... As they're, like, approaching, she's sort of groaning horribly. And at least at this point, John's family's like, okay, like, we built the torture obstacle course, but I don't know about all this. Right, that's where she's drawing the line. I'll draw the line at this. Unfortunately, Allison, out of what I would describe as a gigantic vagina that opens in the woman's uh, stomach, obese woman, um, emerges what I'm assuming is the actual Ozzy, which is sort of a tentacled, um, cycloptic horror, like like a... like a like whipping tendrils and a glowing eye. And it's, it's sort of like it's fun, like the way that its eye works. It has like this like fractal, like digital projection that was really, I thought was really fun. Yeah. And I think it goes without saying, as soon as they see Ozzy, Donna's family's face, all of their mel- faces melt off. The family's faces are just, they're screaming, Gone. you know. Yeah. And they, it turns out they didn't really get to get their wish after all. And I did think when it emerges that thing emerges from that woman's stomach. I thought, I guess the real Ozzy's dungeon was the Ozzy's dungeon inside us all. Yes. The end. The end. Oh, so finally, the next one, we are getting, this is where these army men are from. So we see a little- Tying up this device. 
And in the, in the um in the video, the whoever's doing it is making like the army man kiss while another army man watches. And then you hear what's obviously the voice of an older brother being like, what are you doing in here? You know, and it's like, again, the 90s, like, I don't know. I was doing something that I am now going to assume was wrong for the rest of my life until I'm 38 and then, you know, can come out. Just that kind of, like, you see the dynamic yeah. built into it. Yes. Um, and this one's called Gawkers, and it is directed by, boop, boop, written by Zoe Cooper and Flying Lotus, directed by Flying Lotus. And um, we are, again, very... Um, typical 90s, you know, camcorder. Um, here's the here's the logline, right? Um, a group of horny teenage boys mm-hmm. starts filming the hot woman next door and find out her terrible secret. How scary does that sound, Allison? I mean, very. Mm-hmm. I hate the general concept, even if that nothing like wrong, was wrong with her. Like that's just, that's a scary, just them recording somebody. Yeah. Like and we do live in a world I of hate. constant surveillance. So it is like that kind of invasion. I don't know. It, it, there, there is something terrifying about it. So it's like, kind of like you, you should find out something horrible that haunts you, you know, yes. you, you should have your life ruined by that. I yeah. think. Not yeah. really. I'm joking. I mean, they're teens. Somebody should be talking to these teens. They should learn. About appropriate boundaries. That's what yes. I really wanted to have happen. About rather privacy. than what actually happens in this, which is way worse than that. Um, and then would you like to guess the twist? Would you, like to, would you like to guess what the woman's horrible secret is, Allison? Guess the twist. I mean, the, like, straightforward answer feels like she's some kind of murderer or something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that she's um, a cannibal. Great. Love it. Truly love it. Okay, fresh. Fresh, new. Okay. So we see, so the army vignettes have been being made by Brady, who's sort of the younger, nerdier brother to Dylan. And Dylan's like kind of like, again, 1999, like skater guy. Like he and his friends like do dumb pranks on each other. Um, His friends are named um, Boner, (laughs) Kurt, and um, Mark, which I'm like, again, perfect names. Um, And they're constantly like excluding Brady and like making fun of him as like the younger brother. And again, it's like they're two years apart. Like it's It's, something that is a sibling means something that in reality, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're all children. It's the same age. Yeah. Um, So they're just like dicking around in their small town. They find a bunch of snake skins like at a, um, like it's, it's, it's it's shot in LA, obviously. So like near like the LA river, Mm-hmm. And they dare Boner to eat them, which I did think was funny. He's like, what are you going to make your friend eat a bunch of snake skins? But he doesn't. Um, and they're talking about Y2K and Boner's like, I'm going to build a Y2K bunker and you guys better be nice to me or you can't go in it. And they're like, this fucking dumbass. Um, but they're just like filming everything like you would if you did have a camera at that age, you know, just like mm-hmm. whatever dumb stuff you're doing. They also are using the camera to, um, like, try to film upskirts. So they're, like, talking to these two young women at a park. One of them cool. is trying to, like, film up the skirt. Real cool, good stuff. Yeah. We, and this is all, I, this is on us as a society, I think, as well. It's like, we got to be having these conversations with these kids young. Like, yeah. you should be telling a nine-year-old that this shouldn't be happening before they even get access to a camcorder. Correct. You know what Correct. I mean? We yeah. have to be having conversations. You need to learn the laws of privacy and understand, like, people's autonomy before you get to have a recording device. Exactly. Unfortunately, that's not the world we live in now because everybody has one from basically birth. <laughs> and unfortunately, there's plenty of people who are never going to learn about other people's autonomy and in fact kind of build their political wor- worldview on the fact that yeah. other people don't have that autonomy in the way Correct. that they, they do. Um, and this is sort of the moral of this segment, I think. is like, well, you fuck around and you find out. 
So the thing that they start fucking around with is they have this new hot neighbor, Sandra, who is this very, like, you know, like, like, bottle blonde, like, always in a bikini in her pool. Honest to God, I was like, this woman lives, has, owns or at least rents a beautiful home with a pool. Whatever she's doing, she's doing it right. Like, she has more than I have, you know, like, celebrating her and her life decisions. Yes. But they're, like, filming her through the fence, like, she's in her bathing suit. You know, just, like, creep shit, you know. Yeah, teens. And, of course, she becomes aware of them at one point. Like, she hears them, like, rustling and they run away. They also film her washing her car, and they're like, oh, my God. Like, he's, she's number three in my spank bank. Sarah Michelle Geller, Britney Spears, and our neighbor Sandra. They're, like, really establishing that it's 1999. <laughs> yeah, in case you didn't know the time period. Um, and there's this very funny se- sequence where, like, it's, like, the delivery man goes to drop off. She gets, like, a new uh, Mac. One of those, remember those giant Macs? It was like mm-hmm. desktop Macs that were different colors. Yeah, I had one of those. Um, those are so cool. Again, another, we should go back to that. I want a right. desktop. Yeah, I would love I, a desktop. I'm sick of a laptop. Exactly, because then it's like, oh, then I could I could sit there, do my work, and then I could leave the computer yes. there. Rather yeah. than like my computer Carry it is around part of me. me. I always have mine with me, yeah. Um, but he dro- drops off her co- a computer, and then it, when she takes it back inside, he like is on the other side of the delivery van, and he does like a little dance. Like he's just so excited to talk to a hot woman. And the guys are filming this and screaming, no, he's dancing, not the Michael Jackson. And he's doing like an elaborate dance move, which I thought was fun. Um, that night they're filming Sandra through the window and they're like, wow, she has a lot of like statues. So a lot of like um, statues of people, like statues of human heads. And they're like, maybe she's a sculptor. Like, wow, like she's so arty. Like I bet she's a slut or what have you. Whatever yeah, you say yeah, about yeah. a woman that you're filming and you're Don't also- respect. It's also like, it's like you're projecting that onto her so you could pretend that she wouldn't be horrified what you're, what you're doing. Yes, like right. like she must be a slut. She appreciates art. Yeah, ergo, it's fine if we film her, you know, and while she's like getting ready for the shower, which she is, she's about to get in the shower and they're like, oh, and then she closes like the, the blinds or the curtains rather. And they're like, oh no, you know, we didn't see this woman nude against her will. The next day, they're, like, filming Brady as he's trying to rollerblade again, 1989, um, only to have uh, the Sandra, the neighbor, like, wave him over. And they're like, oh, my God, Brady's going to fuck. And it's like, Brady is 14 years old. This is an adult woman. Like, no, she's in not what fuck world? Him. Yeah. But they're like, oh, my God, like, he got to go. So he got to go to her house, you know. And then when he got back, they literally are, like, clapping him on the back, shaking his hand. Like, you did it, man. And he's like, oh, yeah, she wanted me to come over and set up, like, a webcam. But she doesn't know how to do it. And so basically they immediately start pressuring Brady and eventually convince him to use like spyware to give them access to her webcam. So when he says that the webcam, um, he will, they'll be able to spy on her remotely. And basically the implication is like, Brady, if you do this, not only will, can you hang out with my friends, but I, your brother will finally accept and love you. So you are sympathetic to why Brady feels like he has to do this. Yes. Toxic masculinity is so hard. And my heart goes out to like young men. Like there's just nobody talk. Somebody has to be taught every day coming to be like, Hey, if anyone's in here, send them a webcam to fill ladies without their consent. You can't be doing that. Like just every day, a new lesson. And then repeating that lesson. Um, you know, I think would be good. And I think pe- parents are doing that kind of stuff now. But I know in the 90s, ain't nobody having those conversations with these kids, unfortunately. So um, Brady goes over the next night and they film him through the window. Their scheme works and they're able to get control of the webcam. And so they see Sandra at her computer in her bedroom. And they're like, oh, my God. You know, they're like all having a beer, like 
Dylan is literally congratulating his brother, praising him. And Dylan's like, yes, my brother loves me because we violated this woman's Ugh. inner sanctum together. Hooray. That is how men have friends. Like, awful shit. Um, but so everyone falls asleep kind of waiting for her to undress, but she's just at her computer doing normal computer stuff. <laughs> I know. If anybody, like, spied <laughs> on me all night, they'd be like, boy, she just keeps scrolling through Twitter. It yeah, doesn't just really... Like, uh, just standing just like here, slack jawed, fucking like, yeah, maybe it's like for a second if I'm changing when I'm out of the shower, but it's also like night, like you don't hang around nude. I guess like you're a sports, bar. I don't know, like, yeah, the, the illusion of what's going on in a woman's in like bedroom a, a is a single itself. woman's apartment is like, it's yeah. just so wrong. Like, yeah, no just, one's like, time to put on my little negligee. It's like, right, oh, the shirt fucked. comes down to my knees. Like, right, yeah, my big <laughs> shirt with no underwear, my big shirt from the county fair that says, like, world's sexiest grandma, uh, which is a shirt I had in high school and I did think was very cool. That is fun. I didn't have sex when I was 23. I think y'all know this, based on every story I tell myself. But, um, so, everyone falls asleep except for Dylan, and li- who's literally on, like, titty watch, like, 24-7. And as soon as she starts, like, she starts undressing to get in the shower, he's like, everybody wake up, you know? And she takes off her sports bra, and you see her boobs, and everyone's like, going nuts. Except for Brady, who genuinely feels bad. It's like, oh, fuck. Aww. Like, I lied to this right. woman, and, like, I, I, you know, at least has the decency to, like, realize they fucked up and did a bad thing. However, as they watch, Sandra starts, like, popping popping and locking, popping her joints, like, reverse. And then she pulls off her wig. And one of the guys is like, I knew that was a wig, which I thought was very no, funny. No, you did I not. I knew that was a wig. Unfortunately, Allison, underneath it is a thick head of writhing snakes. Because, of course, Sandra is a Medusa. Of course she is. That's what all those sculptures are. And that is a dangerous woman, a woman who could turn you into stone. Yes. So unfortunately for them, they turn around, they see that Sandra can see them through her window and sees what the fuck they're doing because they live just across like a cul-de-sac. They hear breaking glass and they hear Sandra leaping onto the roof of the house before getting inside and then just starts fucking tearing one of the guys limb from limbs. Good. And then uh, Dylan and uh, Brady are trying to run out of the house. We see, before they get to the front door, one of the guy's heads has been ripped from his body and turned into stone. So it's like a stone head slams against the front door. And that's, of course, what all the statues were. There's one statues. Those are all men that she turned into stone, unfortunately. And then one by one, as Sandra sort of descends the stairs, she turns them into stone as they are screaming before peering into the camera with her yellow eyes gleaming and her sort of fangs. Um, and okay. then um, that's the end. Oh. And then all those guys got turned into stone. Good. I'm oh, sorry, one more segment. And this one is called <clears throat> To Hell and Back. And baseline, two documentarians film a... Um, a ritual in which witches are trying to summon a an entity into a vessel's body. And the as a result, the documentarians are inadvertently sucked into hell. Great. Elson, how do you feel about that? That's not, I mean, like, do you find it scary? I guess would be the question. Yes. You think the idea of being sucked into hell is scary? I do, even though I don't believe oh. in hell. <laughs> and, and, and is it the inescapability of it? Is it just sort of like, oh, I it's something totally unknowable? I into something is a scary yeah. concept. Like, yeah, even think. just like, a, like quicksand, whirlpools, yeah. like just the, the like, mm-hmm. like, that's scary. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The, and I guess it sort of goes back to the coffin of it all, too. Like, mm. the idea of being trapped, like, 
your your total your your vulnerability revealed to you in this way where it's like, oh no, I don't know what to do. I'm in a totally unknown situation. In this case, mm-hmm. I've been sucked into hell. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to guess the twist in to Hell and Back? Guess the twist. I'm gonna guess the documentary is being made on some kind of evil camera. <laughs> All right, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know no, what no, a twist no. could be. It's like, I've, that log line is so straightforward. Also, like, this is, like, it's to, to do an anthology. It's like, at this point, it's like, what is your, like, your brain's like, I don't know, man. What, what Anything. You can only handle so much, that, you know. It's like when you, like, um, if you've ever, I went to a perfume shop recently, and it was very fun, and they let you just smell everything. But at a certain point, your brain is just like, I can't smell I it can't anymore. I can't take in anymore, yeah. And they have you smell coffee beans sometimes. but in between, it, yeah. It doesn't similarly, really... No, it just smells like coffee. Uh, but I do think it's like this is a, it's almost like an exercise set up to short out the part of your brain that could pre- correctly yes. predict what's about to happen. Yes. <clears throat> so this is um, a shot, again, it's documentary style. So we meet filmmakers Troy and Nate, and they're documenting a ritual held by a coven of witches and in which a woman named Kirsten will be offered up as a vessel for Lord Ukuban. And I, they interview a, they interview uh, Kirsten about it, and she has braces that is so sincere. She's an adult woman, but like uh, something about having adult braces made this character so compelling to me. Yeah, and, she, and they're like, I volunteered to be the vessel because I've always felt like I was destined for something bigger than me. I guess does that make sense? <laughs> and I just want to say it is an absolute honor to offer my body as the earthly vessel of our Lord Ukuban. And so basically, we the the ritual has to take place at midnight on New Year's Eve. So it's sort of like the new year allows for, much like on what they say about like Halloween or All Hallows Eve, it's like the thinning of the barrier between the live, land of the living and the land of the dead. To me, that's a barrier I feel very, I should be very firm. I feel very good about mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not like them. a blurred line. Yeah. So, but you know what I mean? It's, it, that's not, that that's that's why we're doing it today. And the filmmakers are, you know, they're sort of dubious, but like are cataloging this as like an interesting anthropological experience, right? Mm-hmm. So we see the witches, and they're all veiled, and they're in black, and Kirsten is tethered to the table and surrounded by candles. And also, I liked one of the interviews, there's like a random guy there, and it's one of the witch's husbands, and he's like, oh, no, I'm not a witch. I'm just, you know, I'm just here to help out, you know, which I did think was a fun character as well. Um, So they do the ritual, and something arrives, but it's not Ukuban. It is Fergus, which I think is a very funny name of something. Fergus. (laughs) And they're like, oh, my God. And they literally say, like, oh, it's Fergus again. We've summoned Fergus. And Fergus, I'm assuming it's Fergus or some other guy, like, lunges out front of the table. And it's sort of like a white zombie ghoul, not wet. It's the zombie ghoul, comma, dry category. Dry category. And drags Troy and Nate into actual hell, which I did think was, like, very interestingly shot and put together. Like, it looked like they had money, you know? So it's totally dark, but then they'll be, like, illuminated by red lightning. And it looks like red, the beautiful red rocks of Sedona. Gorgeous. And dead bodies, like, horror, uh, under a black starless sky. And they see, like, these handmade, like, weapons, like a blood-soaked handmade trident. So, of course, they pick it up because they're not fucking stupid. And they're panicking and being like, okay, so I guess when they open that door, the thing— they came in, grabbed us when they was being forced back to hell. So they they were able to force Fergus back. Are you having fly problems? I'm having a fly problem. I'm sorry. 
Um, they're able to force Fergus back to hell, but then Fergus dragged them as well. So now they're okay. stuck in literal hell. So them and, her- and Fergus are all together? Well, her- we don't see Fergus again, so I don't okay. know what so Fergus is. more of a, a Sherpa. Yes, yeah. He's the, uh, yeah, the, um, the, the river sticks, sort of the ferryman getting them to hell. Yes. Um, so at one point they see what looks like what I would describe as a skinless gargoyle eating what oh. I'm assuming is a human head. Gotta be. S- sitting on a rock. And one of them shouts to the gargoyle, Allison. to them. Hey. No. Hey. Hey. You're in hell and you're going to shout to a skinless jacked gargoyle. Hey. And you think that thing's not going to eat you? Of course. Like, hey is bad as an opening line on a dating app. It's definitely not what you should be yelling at a skinless gargoyle eating a human head. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that guy does not have information that is useful to you. Like, no. he's in a Steer bad clear place. Him. Right. Get out. Like, he, whatever you think, oh, how do you get out of here? That motherfucker doesn't know. That guy knows about eating, he having no skin. And eat, yeah, and thank God he doesn't know how to leave because he'd be out here eating people's heads um, here on Earth. But they, they, they realize they're mistaken. They scream and they go and hide behind some rocks. And there is just, like, it's, again, the way it's shot, it's, like, mostly dark. And then, like, wherever the camera is pointed, it's sort of, like, thrown into your field of vision. So they keep shining the light off and on and off to, like, hide. And there's just, like, a pile of fucking intestines. In another pile, there's, like, three dead gourd men. And then above them, they look up, and there's a gigantic winged humanoid demon. Like, huge, like, 50 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And Troy finally screams, oh, my God, we're in hell, which oh, I thought was that fun. you're just picking up? And Nate has the audacity to say, there's no such thing as hell. Well, you then are there. where are you? You saw where that guy. You? you saw that guy already. You saw that demon. Fortunately, there is a lady there. And, as a, you know, she's going to go give the directions. And she runs up and she says, right. She has, like, very fabulous, like, gross, scratchy, like, British delivery. She's like, what great sin did thou commit? And she looks up, she's like, oh, you're fresh. And she informs them you're in the demon's feeding ground. And they're mm. like, oh, well, we were at this ritual to summon, summon Okaban. And she's like, oh, I hate Okaban. It's like, even beef? in hell, yeah, even in hell, Okaban is apparently a piece of shit. But the guys are reasoning, if they can get to Okaban by midnight, maybe they, much like they hitched a ride on Fergus, maybe they can hitch a ride back when the witches call Okaban into Kirsten's body. Worth a shot, worth a shot, you know? And the woman they're talking to says, if I help you write my name in the witch's book, I'm Mabel the Skullbinder. I commanded 30 legions. It's like, all right. Calm okay. down. Um, meanwhile, like, as, as she said, I, like, I will lead you to Okaban in exchange for writing my name in the book of witches, which I guess, like, creates the opportunity for you mm-hmm. to someday be summoned by the witches if your book, sure. if your name's in it. So they're, like, going to Okaban's house, and in the periphery, we see, like, caves with, like, souls being tortured, and they run into a person whose face is all sealed up. And I did think it's a really fun, like, Dante's Inferno, like, style hell, where you're like, well, what's that guy's story? There's all kinds of levels. Yeah. Yeah, what was that a punishment for? And then Troy, at one point, puts his hand into a mini bear trap. And it clamps wow. down, and I was like, "What? What? What kind of bear? I want to see the bear. Why is it mini? Is like, a, what is it for? Why is there a bear in hell? Yeah. Um, and Mabel, we they catch up to her, and she's ripping the arm off of a spit roasted corpse. And Nate's like screaming at her and wielding this like trident they find. It's like, "Are you trying to kill us? Tell us right now!" And she's like, "Bitch, no one tells me what to do here in life." But then we hear this big booming demon voice demanding that Mabel return to, like, basically she can't leave her demon's purview. So it's screaming, like, you have to go back, you know. But to her, you know, 
a testament to Mabel, I suppose, that her commitment to getting the witch's book, she leads them on. They also meet what I would describe as a nude woman with sort of the vibe of the penguin from Batman Returns. Oh, and Ma- interesting. And Mabel throws the severed arm to her, presumably to as sort of like a, I, we need to make it past. Nate is sobbing at this point. He's like, we only have four minutes until midnight. And we have to get to uh, 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 Ugaban's, I can't even, every time I read it, I'm like, I'm saying it wrong. It isn't even anything, I don't know. Ugaban's lair. And in order to get there, they have to crawl through like a cobweb-filled tunnel that is also very wet and also full of maggots. Oh, good. Allison, I have the great pleasure of telling you that there is a cameo from a character from a different movie that Ratma? appears at this point. Wait, what? Ratma? No, it's not. Oh, I wish it was Ratma. Yeah, I'll say Ratma. Let's guess. It's not Ratma. You have two other guesses. Is it from the other VHS show? No, it's from a different different movie, a recent movie we just did. And we talked about it at length. You know that that's not going (laughs) to We talked about it at length. And we talked about how we kind of admire her lifestyle. And this is a Patreon um, exclusive release. I'll just say what it was. If you're not a if you're not a patron, <laughs> the ghoul from the movie Deadstream is oh, in I was this fucking guess Deadstream. Movie. But Wait, I what? was like, I was I was gonna guess something from Deadstream, and then I was like, it was just that one. La- but like, you're right. Yes, that lady. We did. Oh, yeah, good for her. And of course, because this segment is filmed by the Deadstream filmmakers. Um, Vanessa and Joseph Winter. And I loved that she got a cameo. And if, you, if you're if you not a patron, um, this is a, a ghoul that appeared in the movie Deadstream, which we did for uh, the Patreon. Please listen to it. It's super fun. Super and fun. just someone where it's like, oh, just to be a ghoul and just be gibble gobbling in the woods. And so we get to see her. She doesn't get to get to gibble gobble, but she is there and we get to have a moment. I really love that. Um, so luckily they're able to crawl through this like hell tunnel and get into this inner sanctum. And uh, they're able to get into Ukaban's lair. And Ukaban's being worshipped by, like, cultists in, like, black robes. It's like, even in hell, you got to go to church. You mean, like, even in yeah, hell, you got to keep doing There's this? All, like, like, what are you getting from this? To do. And they're arguing. And Nate and Troy kind of get into an argument because basically when Mabel asks, like, what's what great sin did you commit? You know, they were like, oh, what did he do? You know? And they're arguing about it. Nate's like, do you really think, like, basically Troy says to Nate, like, do you really think I'm a bad person? And they hash it out. But all this stuff is, like, human stuff. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter at this point, guys. Like, I don't know what to tell you. So as they approach the cultist, Mabel screams to them because she's going to stay behind. Don't forget to write my name in the book. And, of course, all the cult members turn to see who's walking in. And then they just start fucking brawling with Troy and Nate. Like, just going absolutely nuts. And Troy's about to be murdered by one of the cultists when Nate spears the guy with the trident to death, blood spraying everywhere. And they make it up to Ukaban and they call Mabel, like, just come join us. Like, you led us here. You did this thing. But before she can join them, a demon stabs her through the back. And she says with her, I guess, can you die in hell? It, she tells them, write my name in the witch's book. And they run to Ukaban, who naturally turns to them and there's sort of what I would describe as a gigantic tooth-filled mouth slash vagina in the middle of Ukaban's torso. And they leap inside, and that is the conduit by where they come back out. Unfortunately, when they wake up, Nate's spirit is inside Kirsten's body. So they accidentally they're in left Earth regular human yeah, so pain again. They're back in the witch's coven, the living room with the witches. And Nate's soul has left inside Kirsten's body, which is still tethered to the table because they were using her as a vessel for Ukaban. 
And they're so enraged that they feel that Nate jumped into their vessel. The witches stab both of them to death. And the witches turn on each other. They're furious. Troy, in his dying breath, crawls over to the witch's book and writes Mabel's name in blood. Yeah, as a nice gesture. And then we end on a shot of Dylan and the gang as the back in the um, having been turned to stone um, as the battery on their camera dies. And then finally, over the credits, we hear the witches calling Mabel from the afterlife, trying to summon her. Oh. The end. Good for Mabel. Yeah, she got there. She's on um, a list. That's the most important thing you, you know, can be. <laughs> and uh, you know, and, uh, whether that list is thirty under thirty. Yes. For us, 40 under 40. A list of, you know, names that the witches could summon. Yes. To what end? Not sure, but she is in there now. And yeah. hats off, Mabel. You did it, girl. A girl boss, if we ever knew one. Um, so overall, Allison, I know this isn't a lot. I know you immediately forgot everything we talked about, but mm-hmm. I wanted to just go wide with the fatal mistake. What do you sure. think was the worst fatal? I know exactly what I want to say. What is the worst fatal mistake? That um, any of our characters, and I'll run down again the segments uh, just so we have it. Shredding, going to play at a um, yep. haunted um, venue. Suicide bid, um, going into a coffin to get it into sorority. Ozzy's dungeon, letting your children's catastrophe drive you drive you and your family insane, I suppose, mm-hmm. to the point where you will ask some sort of demon for help. Filming a woman without her consent. And then finally, the last one, Talking. inadvertently yeah. making a documentary that inadvertently gets you sucked to hell. Where, where do you think, where do you, what do you want to flag? Fatal mistakes. I gotta say the coffin is the yeah, biggest one 100%, to me. 100%. It's just like, it's, it's, it's for the least benefit. Like at least <laughs> when I think about like the family, they're like, she was going to be successful and get us money and get us out of this. Like, you know, they're still psychos, but. I do yeah. think that uh, the coffin, both sides of that story, like the girls doing it and the one who gets in, both mm-hmm. wrong, all wrong, yeah. wrong across the board. And I feel like some of the other segments, it's like, okay, you're filming this ritual. You didn't really know that you were going to be sucked into hell. Or uh, even Ozzy's Dungeon, like you knew you'd be cosmically punished for doing this thing to this host, but you didn't know uh, some sort of Cthulhu-like creature was going to jump out of a woman's stomach vagina. No, how could you? Or, or like playing at the venue, like you didn't really know the zombies were going to show up. Uh, to me, the suicide bid, you knew from the yeah. second you put someone in a coffin or you get in a coffin, the potential is there for them to die. And that's just real life. And that is just something we need to take with us every day and remember. But mm-hmm. I think that that is the most fatal mistake. Do not of your own accord get into the coffin. Yeah. If those little wet ghouls want to goobble gobble and put you in a coffin, then that, is, that is their priority. You, but you, you don't— friends. You don't yourself do it. Do not give them that. Keep yourself both literally and figuratively out of the coffin. Take care of yourselves. Um, And then finally, where would you put VHS 99 on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. Well, I always think that uh, these anthology ones are a little less scary because, like, Mm -hmm. you don't get— because that's such short— vignettes, like, there's not really, like, the sense of dread that I think can make so many of these movies so scary. But it is a lot of, like, wet stuff. Yeah. A lot of gross stuff. And a lot of, like, scary behavior from, like, you know, non-zombie, non-ghoul humans. Like, I think the hazing, the 
the videotaping. Those things are really... I, I, I'm going to give this a, a six. Um, okay, I like that a lot. Um, you know, I'm going to give it a three. I, I, You know, I love this. I love anthology movies. I, you know, I, I like having a variety of, of um, stories. But like Allison said, they're not... Um, scary, like they're not. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I, I, none of these were actually scary in a, any way, but I really enjoyed it. I would say the scariest to me was, of course, uh, the um, suicide bed. That to me is like a visceral reaction. Like I'm not mm-hmm. scared of it actually happening, but it really it it was disgusting. I, I, I was yeah. like revolted by it. And hey, I mean that's that's impressive. I mean to it do that impressive. with a film for sure. Um, boy, it's almost like I want to give that. An eight. Yes, and everything and else, a one? Yeah. How, yeah. If I did that, let me, how do you do the math? Okay, eight. How many segments were there? So I'll do eight, and the other one's nine, 10, 11, 12. And then there's one, two, three, four, five. 12 divided by five. Um, I, I, I don't know what is wrong with me that I cannot do math. So Why would you point, be able to do that math? <laughs> two point four. Math is- too hard. 2.4, but knowing that one of the segments was an eight for me and the rest were ones. So okay. average out to 2.4. And also, again, an absolute blast. Like, I had super fun. I, I love all these movies, um, all the anthology movies, and I love VHS, even the ones yeah. that maybe are kind of a swing and a miss. I, you know, I think we we really enjoy them. Um, but yeah, um, if you have any Shutter movies that you are interested in, um, there's so many, but any Shutter originals yeah. um, in particular would be really great. And obviously, um, thank you for submitting your other themes, and we will eventually get we'll to be them, getting of course. So many good themes, especially for down the road that we're going to yeah. plan and really make them, you know, feel like fulfill the the incredible concept that yeah. you guys pitched. So more of that later. Um, yeah. Well, thank you, everyone. We again love you very much. We really appreciate yes. you listening. Yeah. And yeah, if you haven't signed up for the Patreon yet, we are doing everything we can to get Allison decapitated by the ghost of Lizzie Borden by it's coming. spending the We're night doing there. It. And we are. I, I I genuinely think we might do it by the end of the year. We'll get um, a thousand patrons, yeah. and once we do. It will be a night of a freaky frights. Yep. And um, yeah, so if you'd like to join, please do. And um, if not, you know, you'll see us back here. Same we'll time, here. same place. And um, uh, in the meantime, please, please keep it spooky. spooky. We love you. We love you. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa.